Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. It's uh, already that time, 11.02 Eastern Standard. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue High Stakes Fantasy Radio, the Friday night football show, Friday night in America, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football, and as always, joined by the Big Blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Mr. Michael Trent. Mikey, we're going to start off the show a little bit tonight, a little unconventional, a little out of the box. But we've got a lot of college basketball going on here in the Midwest, a lot of snow in the Northeast. We're just going to start off with a real quick projections on our Final Four. Then we're going to get right down to business, talk about Vegas, talk about the playoffs, talk about the Super Bowl. And then we're going to finish up with the running back rankings uh, for the rest of the show. What's up, my brother? Hey, how's it going, Scott? i tell you what, I really enjoyed the post uh, uh, that you put put out there with the uh, FFWC and everything's going on. Uh, again, congratulations to Matt Bailey. He deserves all the props in the world. Uh, you know, it's pretty hard to knock that down. Uh, it's been been a lot of fun. Uh, we're looking forward to a lot of fun things. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm real excited about you and uh, everything that's going on with uh, the organization. So I'm I'm looking forward to some great things. All right, man. 347-324-5404 is the number. We're streaming live on iTunes Radio on the Fantasy Sports Channel, FSC.FM. You can download us to your iPod or your MP3 player. It is a Fat Tire Friday here at the Red vs. Blue Studios. 
live in Indianapolis, Indiana. And, Mike, we're going to start off. We're in the Midwest. College basketball is big. So, so football fans, just give us a second to get through these final four projections. We're going to make a case for the final four teams in the bracketology over at ESPN.com. You go to the men's college basketball, and you will find the bracketology. We at FF Toolbox, we actually do, Mike. We have a little uh, basketball contest planned. That will be fun. And we do do a little bit of stuff with some rankings there uh, closer to uh, when it comes time uh, after the um, championship rounds and stuff like that. So let's get right to it. You've got the South. You've got the Midwest. You've got the East and you've got the West. I've got three teams in the South that I would love to put in there. According to bracketologist Joe Lenardi, he has IU, Butler, and Louisville all out of the same bracket. That's a, such a saddening thing, Mike, because the first thing I did was I wrote down the teams that I thought would be in it. And I wrote down IU, Butler, Louisville, and Michigan. And I'm like, geez, they're all in the Midwest here. I feel like they're the best teams in America. But they're going to get screwed. They're all going to get put into the one of the same, if not two, brackets, Mike. And that's the, that's the actual reality of the brackets. You're not going to get too much separation. Uh, do, what are the chances that one of those teams goes out West? Uh, one of them's got to. I mean, I've got four teams flagged for uh, top four Cs. Uh, but I don't have the same four teams in the Final Four. I am going to make a, uh, a case for Louisville. Urinal Mint is in the chat room. The crew here, the chat room, Red versus Blue, thanks for being a part of this. Fantasy QB, Henry Muto, IPS driver, Urinal Mint. IU, Butler, and Louisville all out of the same bracket in the South. I am going to go ahead and take Louisville. There's a great article by John Gassaway, ESPN Insider, Mike, and I'm telling you, uh, it's a great article, and I'm, I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. The Cardinals are one of the teams that took a rock between the eyes while ranked – that's a great way of saying it, isn't it? While ranked number one. Five times this season, the number one team has been defeated. Louisville got the top spot with defense, right, Mike? The Cards lead all teams from the Big Six conferences in virtually all categories pertaining to forcing turnovers and scoring off of them, Okay. Now, let's, let's go on. He goes on a little bit further. The Cardinals are ranked number 11 in the AP poll, which leads me to the conclusion that pollsters really do not like three-game losing streaks. He goes on to say, let's get the bad news out of the way. Patino's team did indeed drop three in a row in the span of seven January days. At home to Syracuse, not a bad loss. At Villanova, really ruckus crowd. And at Georgetown. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, that's three tough games. Now, the good news. By just about any performance measure, Mike, this team is better than the one that Patino took to the Final Four last April. The Cards' offense is much better than it was last season. Granted, that's a low hurdle. And the defense has improved as well, no small feat. In per-possession terms, this is the best team in the Big East, one that's outscoring conference opponents by .16 points per possession. Year after year, this conference's best team is a legitimate Final Four threat. That's the case once again. Set aside the rankings, take a fresh appraisal on the Cardinals ahead of their matchup at Notre Dame on Saturday night, ESPN 9 o'clock in, in this final season of the old Big East. What a great way of putting this. John Gassaway, I've got a lot of respect for this guy. Mike, tomorrow night, Notre Dame has game day, ESPN game day at Notre Dame, 9 o'clock tomorrow night, Louisville travels. Who's, who, who's going to win that game? I think Louisville's going to win, and uh, the reason I say that is because they're getting their stuff together. I mean, they really put a beat down on Marquette uh, of epic proportion, basically. I mean, I, you, you don't see that kind of game. Uh, I've got my top four seeds uh, for the NCAA tournament, and it's basically right now my, my top four seeds 
and my final four, like I said, are two different things. Uh, I love Indiana. I love Florida. I love Michigan. I love Duke as being the top four seeds. However, come uh, the end of the tournament, I don't think Duke's going to be there. I, I really think uh, final four, my final four right now, as of uh, February 8th, is Indiana, Louisville, Florida, and Michigan. That's my final four. All right, Mike. Well, you know, you've got the four number one seeds we can predict. You know, obviously it's going to be, you know, IU. Uh, I hope that Louisville can get back up there. I'm not sure that they will. It's a very brutal conference they have in front of them. Uh, I think you'll see Arizona out of the West. I would. I think you'll see Florida get, you know, move up a little bit. And Michigan's definitely tough, and they're they're a lock for that uh, for a one seed out there. Is there a better I'll player? Tell you what, just... Is there a better player in the country, Mike, than Trey Burke? I mean, seriously, this kid. Oh my gosh. Just to wrap it up real quick about uh, college basketball, Scott, if anybody got a chance to watch the Indiana-Michigan game, if you're a sports fan, uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, that was the two hours, the best two hours of entertainment I've seen in a long time. Indiana-Michigan was a lot of fun. Michigan is good. Indiana was a little bit better that night, but Man, that was that was fun entertainment. Yeah, I was sitting in the sports book in at the Mirage in Vegas watching that game around a whole bunch of ruckus IU fans. It was a lot of fun. There were a few Michigan fans out there. The game was fantastic. But we are predicting uh, in the chat room, we are predicting the, the number one seeds. We will save our final four. Mike already gave his, but we will save those final four picks. I actually think that a team like New Mexico could come out of the West. Steve Alford's team Ranked 15th, RPI of 3, 20-3. The strength of schedule is 4, Mike. They got wins against UConn, Cincinnati, and UNLV. I think they're a legitimate uh, contender come March. They're only going to get better. Steve Alfred is one heck of a coach. I really have a lot of respect for that guy. But All right, Mike, let's move on. We had the Super Blackout game. Uh, what a huge game. Again, This was uh, we were in Las Vegas uh, rewarding Mike Bailey or Matt Bailey his check for the $200,000. Great time with Matt. He actually came out. We picked him up at the airport, uh, him and his brother. We picked him up, took him out, uh, you know, had the bourbon and all, this, all of his favorite drinks in the limo, took him out and then put, brought him back to the hotel, gave him some space, let him hang out and play the tables. He's got, he had some cash to play with while he was uh, in Vegas. And then to do the check presentation at the Mirage in the sports book on Saturday. A lot of fun, man. It was probably one of my uh, best moments in my fantasy career was being able to shake his hand, give him that jersey, feel like a GM, you know, like, like you know, up there just giving him the draft, the, the jersey. You got your number one pick up there, the $200,000 check. It was really a special moment for all of us at the FFWC. Amal was there. Ian was there. Cindy was there. Ian's wife was there. Uh, it was it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. Had a blast. Well, I'll tell you what, it's got to be fun for Matt. And, you know, I mean, anybody that, uh, you know, they work hard, they – they try to do what they can, and then next thing you know, it's like, holy cow, I just won $200,000. Like, wow. You know, so good, good for Matt, and uh, good for uh, good for you guys to be able to uh, uh, have that fun time in Vegas at the uh, for the Super Bowl with Matt. That's great. I know, I know, and it's something that I'm not seeing a lot of in the high states community, and I, we just started to look back on it, and we're like, you know, the – the champs don't get a lot of love, you know, and I think these champs, you know, with the two, you know, the check is great. I mean, that's a lot of love, obviously, 
But, you know, I think you just need to you need to give them that extra little bit of attention, you know. And uh, we have some big things planned at the uh, at the draft. We're going to raise the jerseys to the Raptors, man. We're going to make it a special occasion there. And I think I think that makes the player feel really good about what they've done. And it's not just about the money for us. It is a big part of why we do it. It's a, it's a lot of fun to get that check, and that's, uh, you know, wow. But there's something about having that respect and that, you know, around your peers, just to just to see that you you did it. You know, Farrell does a great job of this in Kentucky, Mike. He does the trophies, yeah. gets all the champs up there, and it's a nice moment for those guys because they kicked our ass last year, and we're like, damn it, we're going to get you guys next year. Uh, sit back down at this table. Sit back down and uh, prove you can do it again. And, and that's, you know. At that Say point, I'm champ. It's over. I'm champ. I'm champ this year, and uh, come get me. That's right. That's right. So we, we plan on raising the jerseys, putting them up there, and uh, we're actually we we think we'd like to do a tribute to the former champions that uh, you know back in the days the World Championship of Fantasy Football. It's not their fault. It's not their fault that that thing went under and that uh, you know the whole thing was mismanaged and all that. And we were on outside the lines for ESPN, and they came out and did all. It's not their. It's not the players' fault. So. We think we want to bring back the champions, raise their jerseys to the Raptors as well, make sure that they have a place in history not to be forgotten. And so that's a, that's a big part of who we are at the Fantasy Football World Championship. We don't want to forget that. Amal was a big part of that and, uh, you know, of that history, of that, of that beginning, or the reason why we, we decided to come out to Vegas anyway. So going to be a lot of fun. We are, we're, we're definitely going to do it. Now, let's move on to the playoff championship, Mike. You had a fantastic finish. The playoff championship at the FFWC – was a very cool concept that we came up with, six-team mini-drafts. We drafted 12 rounds. You could draft any players you want, as many players from every team as you want, and this is your team, and you can submit your lineup every week up to the 10-player lineup that you do in the FFWC main event. And, Mike, uh, Chad Schroeder takes down the championship, the 10K check, the 600 from the league, all for a $200 entry in our first year. It was a lot of fun, great contest. All we, I mean, we just had a lot of rave reviews about this thing. I think it's going to be big next year, and we're going to keep it uh, keep it fun, keep it competitive. We're not going to let it get too big. If it gets too big, we'll split it up into another contest. We'll find another, you know, way to keep it competitive. But, man, you had a great team. You you had a great charge. It was full of Ravens. You finished up third, Mike, and you're walking away with a couple grand. Way to go. Yeah, you know what? Uh, the entire contest was a lot of fun. Uh, it just depends on what, what side of the fence you're on. Like for instance, uh, I I got caught in the draft of drafting uh, Ray Rice, and then I went Flacco, and then I went Gore or Ray Rice Gore, and then Flacco. Next thing I knew, I'm going, okay, well I better go uh, all Baltimore because I believe in this team. So it next year, you, you just got to remember if you believe in a team, believe that they can go all the way, then you better. You better draft every single one of them because after that, I went Torrey Smith, Antoine Bowden. You know, I mean, it was I was all in for Baltimore, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a good ride, Scott. It was a good. It was a good ride watching them. I tried to uh, chase down second. I couldn't chase down Chad. Chad pretty much had uh, first locked up because he had pretty much the same players. So you know, it was pretty hard to uh, catch up, but. Uh, it was a fun contest, and I expected uh, next year to build to even, you know, it, it might even double more more than what you expect. 
347-324-5404 is the number. Mikey, uh, it, it was a lot of fun, the playoff championship. The Super Blackout. We were there uh, watching. We went. We all went to a Super Bowl party at the Mirage. And I got to tell you, man, to start the season in Vegas is one thing, but to end it in Vegas is another. And I got to tell you, it was well worth it. Being out there, uh, it's a great way to finish off the season and cap it off just for a quick weekend. It's nothing big, not a long trip. Just fly out there on a Saturday, stay the night, play some blackjack, get some cards in, stay up late, get up, because the game comes on late. You only got to stay one night in, in the, at the Mirage, and the rates are, you know, rates are cheap everywhere in Vegas. You don't have to stay at the Mirage. Just go across the street, get you a room cheap there, and then come back over. And, man, I got to tell you, it's a great way. And just we, we had a party at, at one of the restaurants right there across from the sports book. And I don't know, they charge like 85 bucks or something. You have unlimited food, unlimited drink, and you've got a big screen right in front of you. What more could you ask for, right? And you got all your tickets in your hand. you got all your parlays and all your prop plays and all your Super Bowl squares. And you just couldn't ask for a better environment than all these ruckus Niner fans that are everywhere in the sports book. You know, and they're doing all this chanting, who's better than we are? Nobody, you know, all that, you know. And then you have a few Baltimore fans sprinkled in. And I got to tell you, all the Vegas action was going on the Niners, Mike. There was so much money in Vegas going on the Niners. Uh, Ian and I and a couple of other guys, uh, Mark Deming actually said this. We all went the Ravens and we took the money line. But let me, I will say this. Mark Deming put it the best that, that I heard it. He's hawk and roll, one of the top players in the world. He said, when I look at the Ravens, I look at a bunch of men, you know, uh, there are a bunch of men that want to win this thing. When I look at the Niners, they, they just seem to me like, you know, a little bit of a younger crop of kids. And the Ravens want to win this. There are a bunch of men, full-grown men that want to win, and they, they, they're really going to go after it. And when I heard that, I was like, you know, you're right. San Francisco, the age on that team, just a little bit of a younger, you know, chip on their shoulder, kind of cocky. And, you know, Ravens, you know, definitely bravado, extreme, but they are. They're men. They're veterans. They've been here before. Well, you know, yeah. Scott, that's kind of what I said uh, on the show about uh, about a month ago. Pretty much, uh, these guys are going to take the path that the uh, New York Giants took. I mean, it's just look, we got to take care of business. Let's just do it. I don't care who we're playing against. It doesn't matter. Let's just take care of business. And Baltimore took the path that New York Giants took. You know, last year. So uh, I mean, it's great. Yeah, it was. It was a good game. And, you know, we would have never heard the end of it had the Niners come back and win because everybody would be blaming that on the blackout, right? I mean, it would have been yeah. – I hate to interrupt you, Scott, but as soon as that happened, I looked at a buddy of mine who's wearing a Vernon Davis jersey, and I was wearing a Ray Rice jersey. I'm going, oh, man, this ain't good. This ain't good. He's like, oh, yeah, it, this is real good. I said, no, this is not good. Because we both knew what each player in each team was thinking. First off, Baltimore was thinking, oh, man, that's going to mess up our mojo. And San Francisco's going, all right, now, let's get it together. And I give uh, I give kudos to San Francisco for getting it together. You know, that was a, uh, that was a game I think we all kind of expected Torrey Smith to take advantage of his situation. Uh, I just don't think anybody played it out the the way that that game did play out in front of us. I don't think anybody played it out that way for them to jump out there like that. And then, Mike, you know, I've got a buddy that had actually was in one of those Super Bowl squares contests, and he had 31-29. He would have won like 80 grand in that last box 
had yep. they not got that safety. Did you predict no the safety? Because Ian was sitting at the table. Ian Ritchie, the founder of the FFWC, he was sitting at the table with me, and he looks over at me. He was like, i just back yeah. it up, man, and I'd run as much clock as I could. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are they going to really take a safety? No, I knew they were going to do that. Okay. That's what that I was, was wondering. a no-brainer. All right. They had to. I, I, I couldn't. I, I just I don't know if I could do it. I mean, it worked out. It worked out brilliantly. They did, they did a great job pulling that off, but I just didn't know that that was the way it was going to happen. And to lose your Super Bowl contest because they did that, can yeah. you imagine? Would you ever? That's the worst beat, I think, in the history of gambling. <laughs> Well, you know, Scott, it, it's funny because I was like, uh, damn, I hope I hope these two points don't uh, cost us because uh, I think the guy in uh, Fort has San Francisco defense. And I'm going, oh, shit. Oh, I mean, shoot. Uh, you know, I, I was like, man, they're going to do this. And sure enough, they did it. All right, 347-324-5404 is the number. Just chatting here with the crew. In the chat room, we've got a lot of good uh, good fantasy minds in there. Okay, Mike, let's get to the Dynasty running back rankings. We're not going to go too far into it because that would be a long show. Uh, running backs are very fluid. I want I want to reach down deep a little bit and grab a couple of guys that uh, you 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 kind of like and and are, and are some people that you're trying to target. There's a couple of guys that I really like deep, and you know I'll start with a Daryl Richardson at a, uh, the St. Louis Rams because Stephen Jackson isn't getting any younger. We saw what he was capable of. He still has a little bit left in the tank, but again, these years, these months start to turn into years when you have so many carries on you like you do with Steven Jackson. And a Daryl Richardson looked just good enough to remind me of like a little Jamal Charles. I don't know if he's going to be that good. I know that St. Louis is a team that is going to be one of those teams that is looking for running back help, right? I mean, I know they drafted the kid from Cincinnati last year as well. But I just think it's a team that is going to be looking. I developed a list, Mike, of uh, what, uh, five, seven, uh, nine, eleven teams that I thought need running backs. You tell me what you think. You say yay or nay when I say their name, okay? Okay. New York Jets. Uh, yay, believe it or not. Yeah, I think they need a running back. The Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, yay. The Pittsburgh Steelers with a capital. <laughs> Capital Yay. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm going to throw this name in there, even though I think we're happy with Vic Ballard, the Indianapolis Colts. I'd say nay. Okay, you'll say nay on that one. The Jacksonville yep. Jaguars. Uh, we're talking dynasty, right? Are they going to take a running back in the first couple of the rounds in the draft? First three rounds. First three, four rounds. Uh, i say yay. The Denver Broncos. Nay. The, you know, McGee's not getting any younger, and if you've only got – I mean, you got Hillman, you got Moreno, but will Moreno oh, get there? It don't matter. He'll find a way, and you know who he is. He'll find a way. Nay. All right. San Diego Chargers. Super Chargers. Uh, there's not running enough running backs in this uh, draft, so I would say nay. Really? Oh, man, I think they have to go get a running back, whether it's through free agency or the draft. The, the Detroit Lions, Mike, Detroit Lions. Nay. You think that you're, you're good with Joyce Bell and uh, Mikhail Ashore? Uh, you, you dig I'm right. Yep. Okay. 
All right. Well, I like to hear that. I'm a LaShore owner. I like to hear that confidence. You know, LaShore did look pretty good this year. Uh, He didn't look explosive like he looked in college, but coming off of an Achilles injury, you can't be really disappointed with that performance that he gave this year. So I I like to hear that. Okay. Maybe I'm a little too tough on him, but you know, you're losing a job at best. You got to get somebody. Maybe they get a Reggie Bush in the, in the free agency. We've heard that rumor a little bit. The Green Bay Packers, Mike, is DeWan Harris the guy there? Are they going to get a, get a back in the draft? I don't know. I mean, it just, it looks like right now that they're just going to be settled in with a little bit of drum, a little bit of running and, uh, but mostly passing. So, I don't think they even care about the running game in Green well, Bay. I think, I think you absolutely nailed it, Mike. I don't think they give a damn about the running game. I think they're okay with whatever they have, but I do think they address it in the draft. I do say they go get one of these running backs. The Arizona Cardinals, do you think Ryan Williams and Beanie Wells, is that enough for that uh, that new coaching regime there, or are they going to go to the draft and get it back? No, I think I think Ryan Williams and Beanie Wells is going to be perfect. Uh, yeah. Actually, that's a pretty good combo. Uh, I know it's kind of hurt a lot of uh, dynasty owners and hurt hurt a lot of owners in in general. But uh, these guys, I mean, if you can find the right one at the right time, uh, they're they're going to be good. So I don't think they they don't need to be searching for any more running backs. Ever since I took Ryan Williams in my uh, dynasty leagues all around, the, uh, I am in twenty dynasty leagues, and I took him in about twelve of them. And I named all my teams the Ryan Williams experience, and it's just been a miserable experience ever since. It just has been pathetic. The last team I have here, Mike, is the St. Louis Rams. I think that I already uh, the aforementioned Rams. I think they need to address the, uh, the the running back position in the in the draft or free agency. And look, I'm going to say this. Oh I, no, that. Go ahead. I think they got. I think they got theirs with uh, Richardson. Richardson, you know, I mean, I I like him. Like I said, I think he's a little Jamal Jamal Charles clone, just not quite as good. But look, they have to do something to compete in that division. And if you're going to run with San Fran, if you're going to run with Seattle, you have to keep stocking up on defense, keep pounding away at defense, do it the same way they did it, and then you've got to get hit lightning in a bottle with your running back. Because let's face it, you're playing some really good teams in that division. That division is turned around from the worst to one of the best. In a real short period of time, so it's a it's a very fun and exciting league uh, when you have conferences like uh, the NFC West and uh, what they have going on. So okay, my you know what, Scott, what, yeah, what's fun is uh, that we haven't even brought up the uh, NFC East. You no. know, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, Dallas, uh, Washington. Uh, I mean, those guys aren't preparing. I mean. Don't get me wrong, Alfred Morrison. I mean, he's a great running back. I mean, he did really well this year. But uh, you know, you got teams like Dallas and Philly. Uh, they're they're not doing much at all to shore up uh, the good running game. Yeah. So we went over about ten, eleven, maybe twelve teams that need running backs. I, I don't think there's any reason to throw in, you know, a team like Buffalo when you've got C.J. Spiller or New England when you have uh, Stephen Ridley and Shane Vereen. The one team I didn't mention was the Dolphins because I think they're really high on this Lamar Miller kid. I mean, look, we haven't seen him. Everybody that t- that has him in their dynasty leagues, they're treating him like he's freaking David Wilson. And let's face it, he's no David Wilson unless all of the NFL scouts in the in the league completely whiffed on this guy, which has been known to happen, okay? It has been known to happen, but look, I usually am not this big guy that I'm trying to evaluate all the talent. I usually look to the to the eye of the NFL teams, and I'm saying, look, you know, you guys are the experts in this. Why did you pass up on Lamar Miller? I really need to get an expert 
uh, a running back, you know, somebody that uh, knows what the heck they're talking about. I want to know why teams passed up on Lamar Miller, and now all of a sudden they're saying, oh, yeah, no, I mean, we all knew he was talented. And, you know, I remember they were – you remember Dynasty rankings last year, Mike, before? After yeah. after the Trent Richardson, everybody was like, well, it's some kind of combination of Doug Martin, David Wilson, and Lamar Miller. You know, you got to kind of shuffle them up. Some people like Lamar Miller number two. Some people like Foster. Some people like Wilson. But Miller was in that conversation. Now, we've seen how good Martin is. We've seen how good Wilson is. If these guys are right, right, if these guys are right, these prognosticators of uh, dynasty and fantasy talent, Lamar Miller, you've got yourself one heck of a player in this kid. And so, and they've already talking about moving on from Reggie Bush and letting Lamar Miller kind of run the show there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they have there. So I did not put Miami down as a team that needed running back. But I think definitely teams like the Steelers, I think the Colts will make a move and add somebody to help Vic Ballard, although it's not a real pressing need. They do like Vic Ballard uh, from everything that I'm hearing, but I do think they address it. I think the Bengals desperately need running back help, and I think they're going to go in a big way to try to get some yeah. uh, some type of dangerous weapon back there. Because, look, I mean, did Ben Jarvis break any anything big? Uh, what did he average you know, per carry last year? I'm going to have to look that up while you talk, but – uh, any well, other, I tell you, I tell you what, Scott, the there's another team that uh, kind of intrigues me a little bit. Uh, if Terrell Pryor is going to be the quarterback at Oakland. Great point. Who's their, who's going to be their running back? They're oh. going to have to rely on their running back. So yeah. you better watch. Yeah, you know, we, we watched Marcel Reese lead teams to fantasy titles. You've got the McFadden. You've got Taiwan Jones that has never really done anything. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those teams that – you got to think to your, oh, and they got Mike Goodson too, you know, but what a cast of characters that is. Yeah, you need to put the Raiders in that discussion because you can't trust McFadden. And by the way, Ben Jarvis did average a whopping 3.9 yards per carry for a team that has a a, a very good vertical game uh, with Dalton and Green and Gresham and uh, Sanu and Jones and Hawkins. I mean, they're really loaded uh, and they don't have a back out of the backfield to really make things happen. I want a pass catching, thumping kind of back out here. And they're, let me tell you something, Mike. Nobody's talking about their rookie picks unless you've got a real high rookie pick. This is the type of draft, Mike. I'm telling you, I kid you not. Years and years ago, when Maurice Jones-Drew was a rookie, and you know, I think I got him at like two-two in my rookie draft. That's how deep of a class this is this year, Mike. Now I don't know what kind of situations everybody's going to land in, but as I started to go through for tonight's show and look at all the backs, we're talking about Giovanni Bernard. Eddie Lacy, those are the big names, right? But then you've got Joe Randall. This this group right here, I'm not so sure. I kind of put Joe Randall ahead of everybody else. Uh, but then you've got uh, Stephen Taylor, Monty Ball, who I'm not as high on anymore, just to weigh so many carries. Uh, Ellington from Clemson, very fast. Do you yeah. remember Michael Dyer, the the kid from Auburn, and now went to and then went to play for Arkansas State? Dyer was a dynasty darling uh, in those developmental leagues. I know a couple of guys that have him. Nile Davis, the same way from Arkansas. There's another back. I mean, here I am. I'm already like eight running backs deep, and I'm not even feeling bad about these names. Lattimore from South Carolina. There's your boy Lattimore. He he had yeah. you know, Adrian Peterson written all over him in his name, and then you know had such a terrible, gruesome injury uh, against Tennessee. I remember where I was at watching that game. I mean, that was one of those moments where you're like, oh, you hate to see that happen for a kid like that. Scott, you know, I mean, I, I appreciate your love for the running backs and everything, but uh, that's Pretty much about it. I mean, there, there's not much a wide receiver. There's not much a quarterback. There's nothing a quarterback coming out. Uh, so, you know, I mean, 
I feel like this draft is uh, it's very very low. So if you're a dynasty owner, I would uh, I would almost trade my draft picks because I I mean I appreciate the the names that you threw out just now, but after that it's pretty much about it. So I would uh, I, I would almost trade them. We have somebody just hitting up the uh, Red Blue Radio inbox. Uh, Let me finish the podcast. (laughs) Sorry, guys. All right, so, Mike, look, uh, we are talking running backs tonight. I'm not going to get into the Geno Smiths and the Tyler Eiferts and the Keenan Allens and all the other types of players that are out there at the other positions. I'm just going to tell you this. This is a very deep running back class. If you have a middle-round pick, don't be afraid to trade down and gobble up another pick. I'm just telling you, this is the year to do it. If you could take a six- or a seven and and turn it in since it's not a top five pick. If you can turn, if you have a six or a seven or maybe even an eight, and you can turn that into a ten and a twelve, do it. Okay. Uh, all of these backs, unless they get in a real premium spot or a premium position, you're going to have to wait on these guys. But there's a lot of talent. There is a lot of talent on here. You've got a couple of running backs that have first round potential. Whether or not they go in the first round, I doubt it. Uh, Bernard and Lacey. One of them could sneak up into the end of the first round or something like that. Just depends on the, the team need and what they do. Um, but very likely you've got a lot of second-round guys here. Joe Randall. Look, this kid, I just drafted him in the uh, Football Guys Survivor League today. Uh, I went. I actually went Joe Randall and Ruben Randall. I already had Randall Cobb. I said, let's, let's get a couple more Randalls. He averaged five uh-huh. 5.2 yards of carry, 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, caught the ball very well, 28 receptions, and had a huge game against Texas, uh, 199 yards and 25 carries. So that Randall, know, you know what you're getting with Randall, 6'1", 200, prototypical size, right? That's what we're looking for, 4'5", 40, not the fastest time. But, again, yeah, he's he's a little speedy. He's a shifty guy. I, I, I like what I see in Joe Randall as a third running back, uh, rookie running back off the board. Then you've got to decide between guys like Stephon Taylor, Monty Ball, Andre Ellington. I've even seen guys have um, the kid from uh, Rutgers. What's his name? Um, Jameson. Jameson. Let me feel, feel feel real quick. Ray Rice mold to him. Uh, let me ask you real quick about a guy like Shane Vereen. I mean, we're, talk, we're not talking about a kid coming out of college. We're talking about a guy that's been there. Shane Vereen. Uh, I, I feel like this kid can uh, make make something happen for uh, New England. I mean, what's your thoughts on Shane Vereen? Well, I don't think, uh, I don't think New England uh, has any reason to get away from giving Ridley the ball, and he is the bell cow there. Uh, Ridley in his limited action, he averaged what 40, uh, four yards a carry didn't do a lot, but then he started to get some receptions kind of filling that woodhead role, right? That was pretty exciting to watch. Uh, it seems like there might be a role for him there. I still own him in the 1250 dynasty. I don't know what to do with him. I would take an offer if somebody had him, but it's just the new England. Look, with, when you, when you're built, you're coached by Bill Belichick. You don't know what you're going to get week to week. You could come out with Stephen Ridley and get 100 yards and two touchdowns one day, and then the next day right. you're not getting a lot of work because Tom Brady just wants to take over. It's not the best fantasy guy to have. I would actually sell Ridley high. I would sell him high right now, and I would sell Vereen high too. If I could get an offer for Vereen for one of these early running backs that I've just mentioned, Mike, I think I'd do it. I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat, Okay. I'm not going to get that type of offer for Shane Vereen. That's the problem. But 
look, when you talk about if I see eight running backs here, plus I've got guys like Geno Smith, Eifert, Ertz, uh, that's 9, 10, 11, plus about four or five wide receivers there, you're looking at about picks 15 or so deep, 16 pretty strong this year, of really, really good players. And there's more wide receivers than that. It is a very deep wide receiver class when we talk about wide receivers in the first round. You're going to see four or five of those go in the first round of the NFL draft. So you're going to see uh, we've got about 15 players deep here that's very good. So if you could get a early second-round pick for Shane Vereen, I'd do it. I'd unload him. And for Ridley, yeah. for Ridley, I need a I need a top five, top six pick for Ridley. I need a top five or top six rookie pick for Ridley to, get, to be able to get rid of him. But it's because I don't see consistency in Ridley. It's not that he's not a good back. If he was on a different team, I'd love him. If, if Ridley was on a different team, I'd absolutely love him, and I wouldn't trade him at all. But he's on the New England Patriots. He's on. He's, he, that's Tom Brady's team. That's Belichick's team. They call the shots. They decide when it's Woodhead's turn, when it's Brady's turn, when they're not going to run the ball at all, or when they're going to give it to him in the goal line, you know, a.k.a. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. So that's my take on uh, Shane Vereen and Stan Ridley. Let me ask you uh, another one real quick, Scott, uh, and maybe the chat room, and you can help me out. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go even deeper a little bit. Uh, Sean Green, you know I'm just looking at dynasty. Oh look, dear God, Jeez. I'm looking at dynasty. I know, but but hold on here. I'm looking at dynasty for uh, for the future. What kind of value is Sean Green to a, to a dynasty owner? Uh, Mike, I don't. <laughs> Are you? I'm watching the ratings on the on the podcast right now, and it's just it's just this. Uh, you know the the guy on um the guy on the prices right. You know that Odele Odele guy. You know he's going up the mountain and then he falls off the cliff. Okay, that's what you're doing to our show right now, bringing up Sean Green, dude. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. What do you want me to say about Sean Green? He had one nice game against San Diego a couple years ago. I fell in love with him. And then I quickly fell out of love with him, okay? Uh, there's nothing to see here. Every time I saw – look, I was sitting at the table in Vegas with, when Chad Schroeder, one of the best high-stakes fantasy players in the world, he's sitting there. He's looking. He's almost running out of time. I'm looking at him. This is a league where you got to drop down five dimes to sit at, right? And he's sitting there, and, and he's ta- he just grabs his beer, and he takes a big chug out of it, and he slams it to the table, and he says, effing Sean Green. <laughs> That's – so what you're saying is Sean Green will is going to be no uh, fantasy uh, impact whatsoever this year. Oh come on! I mean, what 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 is there to say, Mike? He he doesn't catch the ball. 19 catches. I think that's a career high. He averaged 3.8 yards a carry uh, or behind that offensive line. Eight touchdowns, three of which against the Colts. I love that game. That was a big game actually. I lost that week <laughs> uh, to Sean Green, but no. Uh, there's, there's, there's not really any fantasy value there. Mike, they need a back. They need somebody that has some speed to the outside. Sean Green doesn't have that. They need to change up their approach. I know Rex Ryan is talking about, he, he stuck too long with the ground and pound and, and you know, that's obvious right. that that wasn't, uh, that wasn't something that's going to work in today's league, especially with that team. Uh, you need a Jerome Bettis back there to make that work. And so you don't have that. Type okay. Of, that's gonna work. Well, Scott, let me ask you this. There's obviously not going to be no quick fix this year. So, is Sean Green a value this year? 
Mike, I, I refuse to answer another Sean Green, Green question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, hit, <laughs> I'm gonna hit the buzzer meter again. I'm, I'm, just, just, I'm, I'm just asking, man. I think the buzzer I mean, meter is about. You're about a nine tonight, dude. I, I kid you not. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the mute button here in a minute if I if I hear one more green reference, okay? Sean Green, Sean Green, Sean Green. All right, this is the Red versus Blue show. Mike Trent, uh, good old Brandenburg, Kentucky. Uh, we've we've uh, we're doing everything we can to get this show back in order. Order. Let's go a little decorum in this courtroom, Mike. We're gonna go back to running backs and ranking our running backs again. Uh, I I told you these these rookies. Bernard, number one pick. Lacey, number one or number two pick. Joe Randall, I think he's a top five pick in your rookie draft. Stephon Taylor, I think he's a top five, top six back. Monty Ball, not too convinced. Has a lot of carries. I have him in the Debbie League. I've been waiting on him. Just tons of carries. So be very careful with him. But let's go to the regular Dynasty running back rankings, Mike. At the very top of my list, the number one back in all of Dynasty fantasy football is Trent Richardson. 21 years of age, not even 22 years of age. Had some major injuries this past year. Played through them for a Cleveland team and almost got a thousand yards on the ground, but 51 catches. And when you're in PPR leagues, like we are, when you play the high stakes circuit, everything is PPR. You need to be able to catch the ball. So that limits you to guys to consider. You, you, you have to throw out guys like Alfred Morris because he doesn't catch the ball. I love Alfred Morris, Mike, but you can't make him a top back, even though look, 4.8 yards of carry 1600 yards as a rookie, but only and 13 touchdowns but only 11 catches, okay? Those touchdowns come and go. Catches are here to stay. If you catch the ball, you have to elevate your backs up a notch and bring them up and take anybody that's getting the – I don't think you can have a, a guy who has 50 catches if he's a running back. If he gets 50 catches, he's a top 10 back. If he gets 40, he's a top 10 back usually. So, I mean, you can look up the stats. I know you guys will. But usually if you get 40 catches and you're a starting running back, you're a top 10 running back, Mike, in the, in the uh, high-stakes leagues because of the PPR. It's very powerful. Trent Richardson brings that to the game. He's my number one. Mike, who's yours? Uh, my number one, believe it or not, is Marshawn Lynch. Uh, he's 26 oh. years old, and uh, he's got uh, it's still four years' worth of ceiling work to uh, work with. Uh, I love Marshawn Lynch. Uh, I mean, I, I, I still believe that Seattle uh, offense, Will continue to improve, uh, and I've I've got a number two waiting in the wings. But Marshawn Lynch, I, I believe in Marshawn. Mike, let me ask you a question though. Uh, character concerns aren't that far removed for this guy. As a matter of fact, he was he was in danger of being suspended this year. Now that didn't happen, uh, but those character concerns, exactly. if if they scare you off for a guy like Des Bryant, uh, well, I don't know if they do, but. You know, it's a lot of uh, risk to put. If you have Trent Richardson right now, you're telling me you would trade him straight up for Marshawn Lynch? No way, no way. I would. I. I mean, if somebody if somebody gave me Richardson for Lynch, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Well, so so Lynch is not your number one then. But yeah, he is. I okay, mean, so we're we're. Well, well, I, 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 I equate trade value with ranking, so maybe you don't, and that's that's fair. Okay. I don't, I don't well, mean, I don't if mean I to go that, I would go Doug Martin. Okay, okay. Well, see, that's more. That's kind of what I think when I look at when I look at running backs. But again, it's not always trade value. Sometimes people are wrong, and you can't get anything for somebody, but he can still be your number one back. So I totally get that. I have Doug Martin at number. I'm just two. Looking, I'm just looking at a guy that that I feel like that I can rely on for three, four more years. 
and that would be Marshawn Lynch. They can make an impact on my team now. Marshawn right. Lynch can make a bigger impact on my team right now. Really? Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I would say that Doug Martin and Trent Richardson both can make that kind of an impact just because of the power of points per reception. Now, Lynch did catch the ball a little bit better this year. It, it wasn't uh, it wasn't too bad. You know, last year last year was kind of disappointing. I was I was you know every game watching and hoping that he would you know catch a couple of balls and it just never seemed seemed to come. Uh, Twenty eight catches last year and uh, oh no, actually it was about the same. It was about the same. Yeah, twenty three catches this year. But uh, you know, look, that's that's not as bad as you know Sean Green levels. But oh, I just did it. <laughs> I just did it. Did Doug, it. Whoa, whoa, hey, 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 put the bus meter on you, Scott. Uh, Real quick. Just- no, I haven't even started drinking yet, brother. I got another uh, 15 minutes before. But, but but I tell you what, the only reason I say uh, Marshawn Lynch in front of Doug, uh, Doug Martin is because Marshawn Lynch, he's on a winning team, a team that wins a lot. Uh, Doug Martin, man, them guys, I mean, that they tended to, uh, they folded up. I mean, Tampa Bay folded up last year, and it's gonna it's gonna make an impact on the touches. Uh, that each spot gets. So that's why I love uh that's why I love Marshawn Lynch for about four more years. All right, so let's keep going through my top five. Trent Richardson at one, Doug Martin at two, at number three, Mr. Arian Foster, uh another monster year. I don't see anything slowing up for him. He's still only twenty six years old. So he's gonna have another four or five years left of really good production. Unless they ever let Ben Tate out of the box, man. They gotta get Ben Tate out of the box. Number four for me is quite a surprise. I know people aren't as high on him as I am, but I have an absolute infatuation man crush with C.J. Spiller, Mike. Any league that I can get him, I do get him. Uh, 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, 43 catches. Again, another PPR monster. Uh, Only thing he needs is that opportunity, and I think he was a top five back over the second half of the season. You'll have to verify that or not, but – when Fred Jackson kind of steps aside. And, again, look, I don't care if they say Fred Jackson is the day one starter, okay? That's what they said last year. Remember game one against the Jets? And what, Jackson goes out on there like the first or second play of the game. And so when you get to that age, I'm just saying, you know, you take those wrong hits, C.J. Spiller is ready to just take uh, take the league over by storm. I don't know how high you have Spiller, Mike, but I have him at number four. Uh, I have Spiller pretty high, but uh... – you know, I I just I don't I don't have him as a high four. I mean, I have him right along a big group of uh, Matt Forte and guys like that. I mean, he doesn't really uh, he does he doesn't impress me as much as say a David Wilson. Yeah. All right, we'll get to David Wilson. He's coming up on my list. Number five is Jamal Charles. You have Andy Reid coming there, and oh, he's got to be licking his chops. And I think I think Dwayne Bowe is too. To be honest with you, I don't see any reason for Dwayne Bowe to leave uh, this organization now that uh, the new regime is in place. I bet you that Dwayne Bowe uh, does come back to this team. And there's no reason to think if they get a signal caller under center, and they you know maybe they draft a Geno Smith or they bring somebody in. Uh, there's no reason to think that Dwayne Bowe can't be back to being a top uh, 12, top 15 wide receiver. But Jamal Charles, I have at number five. Absolute monster, this kid. 1,500 yards. I don't think I've ever seen a back like Jamal Charles, as fast as Jamal Charles. There's not anybody faster in the league. 
And we saw the Peyton Hillis experiment failed miserably, Mike. So I do think they like what they have in Cyrus Gray, just as kind of a complimentary back. I think you'll start to see this rookie from last year start to get into some of the rotations. I don't doubt that they do bring in another back to help uh, the, you know, carry the weight there. I don't think that Jamal Charles will ever be a 300 carry type back or anything like that, but he should get over 200 carries. And if he gets that, that's enough to put him uh, well into the 15, you know, around the 1500 yard mark. If he gets 220, something like that, 230, he'll be fine. But he's going to get the receptions and he's going to break some touchdowns and his yards per carry is going to be the sickest in the league. So Jamal Charles at number five, Mike, there's my top five. Yep. That sounds good. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, I love David Wilson uh, to step in for uh, the Giants. You know, I think uh, Tom Coughlin, he got pretty pretty put out uh, with uh, Wilson and his fumbling issues early in the season uh, this past year. But, I mean, he'll get over that. And the dude, is he's got explosive speed. He can – but, like you said, I mean, there's – there's a lot of questions about uh, can he catch the ball out of the backfield. So, but I still believe in I believe in his talents, and I think Devin Wilson. Uh, if you're a uh, dynasty owner and you you kept on to him and you resisted the trades that were offered to you, like I did, you're going to be uh, you're going to be loving it. All right, Mike, uh, you're you're absolutely right. I don't own David Wilson in any of my dynasty leagues. I feel about this big. There's no going to get him now. It's too late. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, there was a, there was a period of time last year that you could have maybe met, put a bid in and grabbed him, but I didn't. And and I just feel awful about that. 21 years of age, Bradshaw is now gone. Where do you see Bradshaw ended up, Mike? Could you see Bradshaw? Uh, let's see. Where does he make sense? What if somebody like the Packers decided, you know what? Let's just go get Bradshaw. Green Bay, or maybe even, uh, you know, believe it or not, St. Louis. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I can speak St. Louis. I mean, even though uh, the young kid isn't ready to roll, I mean, uh, you know, it, it could be St. Louis or somebody. Somebody wants to make a make that uh, playoff uh, push. That yeah. needs a veteran running back and. Uh, you know, it could be somebody like St. Louis because St. Louis, they're on the cusp of uh, making that playoff push. Look, Bradshaw, very tough player. I, I, I compare him almost to a gore because they're so damn tough, and he plays through pain. Uh, he only turns 27 next month. Uh, this is a guy that, in the right situation, look, he played through pain last year. He, he had the uh, foot injuries. Then he had the knee injuries late. Uh he just he's one of these tough guys in football. And I could see I could see somebody going after him to really give some leadership. And wow, the Packers make a lot of sense to me. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. You know, the uh, the opening game should be fun because the Super Bowl champion always starts and it's always a conference game. So I'm trying to figure out what that opening night game is for the party that we'll have at the Mirage this year in Las Vegas. We'll have the opening kickoff party. Everybody's invited. We hope that all the crew from FF Toolbox comes. We hope that all the crew from the FFWC comes, the Roto Bowl crew. We hope to get everybody out there and just party with us at a, uh, and have a fun time watching the game, having some drinks, and getting ready for some drafts that night in the next couple of days. So 
Who do you think is going to be that first game that the NFL puts on tap for the Baltimore Ravens, Mike? I, it's got to be a good one, right? It's got to be Ravens versus Broncos? Ravens versus Patriots? It would, surprise, it, it would not surprise me to see it something like a, a divisional game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, but that's a – that sounds like that's a defensive nightmare game for the opening opening game. I want to see some fireworks. I want to see some, you know, I don't want to see some kind of Buffalo. I want to see a big game like Peyton Manning comes to town, uh, comes into Baltimore to win. Or, well, uh, Scott, Scott, let's face it. Uh, you talk about Baltimore. Uh, was there any fireworks until the playoffs? When you're talking about their offense, there was very few fireworks except for Ray Rice. Yeah, I mean, Fla- Flacco's elite now, though, Mike. Flacco's elite. And he's a, he's elite. He's elite when it comes to playoffs. He's unflackable. <laughs> he's unflackable. Oh, I mean, I that. I mean, I said that. I mean, I said there, and I said the dude is unflackable. But in a regular season, when you're talking about fantasy points, fantasy quarterback, do you really want him to be? Your stud as a as a fantasy quarterback? I don't think so. Well, uh, look, we also did get the home and away schedules for the NFL this week, and it was announced that Indianapolis has a visiting team this year, Mike, in the Denver Broncos. So Peyton Manning comes to Indianapolis. How much you want to uh, bet me that that's a prime time game this year? Wow, that'd be fun. That'd what be kind fun. of odds? I mean, what kind of odds would you give somebody that that's a prime time game? I wouldn't give you, I wouldn't give you twenty to one. I'd have, no, I, 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 that's even money. <laughs> oh, I would. I could not. I would not even take a fifty to one bet. I think it would just be throwing my money away. That that has to be a prime time game. Peyton Manning coming back to Indy. So, all right, Mike. Let's go through the rest of the top ten here. We're looking at running backs in dynasty PPR. Uh, my top five, Trent Richardson, Doug Martin, Arian Foster, C.J. Spiller, and Jamal Charles. Number six, checking in. You you notice that I have not said the name Ray Rice. I have not said the name that. LaShawn McCoy. And I have not said the name Adrian Peterson. Number six is David Wilson. There he is, 21 years of age. If somebody gave me an offer right now, Ray Rice for David Wilson, I'm taking David Wilson. Let me see what the chat room has to say to that. Ray Rice or David Wilson PPR. Ray Rice, 26 years of age. David Wilson, 20 Ray Rice. age, and you have this kid in Bernard Pierce that is a stone-cold killer on Baltimore. He's the next yeah. Adrian Peterson. Well, from the get-go, Scott, I would go with Ray Rice versus David Wilson because Ray Rice has proven. He's got four more years, uh, and if you could handcuff him with uh, Pierce, then, man, that'd be great. Wow. Well, Pierce, uh, there's some good articles there. If you Google Bernard Pierce, and the, uh, you'll you'll start to see some of the coaches that were raving on him uh, coming out, and they think that this kid is absolute goldmine in the waiting. But I do have Ray Rice checking in at number seven, Mike. It's really that close. I'm, it would depend on the team. It always depends on the makeup of your team. If you have a Super Bowl type contending team, I probably don't trade Rice. I probably try to ride it out, and I let the other guys take a shot. But if I've got a rebuilding team. There's no way. In a heartbeat, I take a David Wilson, and I don't look back. You know, I've just got plenty of more years. And and let's face it. Let's face it, guys. Come on. No matter how dominant you look right now, you start adding up those 250 to 300 carry seasons over and over and back to back to back, it starts to have an impact. 
start yeah. to have an impact, and they slow down. So the Ray Rice that you know uh, have known the last couple of years, I'm not so sure he's that top three back anymore, Mike. Last year it was uh, totally Foster, McCoy, Rice, Foster, Rice, McCoy, Rice, Foster, McCoy, Rice, McCoy, Foster. Everybody's uh, taking those three backs in the top three. I don't take him in the top three anymore. What uh, what what gives you signals that Ray Rice is digressing? Bernard Pierce. Bernard Pierce. I think uh, uh, Kimra Slisher, one of the, uh, the one of the best female players in the world in high stakes. She brought a stat by me right before the Super Bowl, and it said something to the effect that over the last so many games, um, Bernard Pierce had more. Um, more attempts, more yards uh, than Ray Rice over the last couple of games. And you start to look at that. I mean, Ray Rice, 250 yards at 4.4 yards per carry. This kid, Bernard Pierce, who they love, they absolutely love. And, again, it works because it's in Baltimore. 108 carries, 4.9 yards a carry. And he really came on there through the end. They know what they – they've got a nice insurance policy with Bernard Pierce right here. This looks like to me the future – of Baltimore's ground game. And, you know, you've got a Super Bowl with Ray Rice. You're not going to let him go anytime soon. But, look, running backs are disposable. We've all seen it, Mike. They treat you like they use you up and they spit you out. Would not surprise you. I understand that. I understand it. But uh, Ray Rice, he's a young kid still. He's got at least five more years left in him. Bernard Pierce is solid. Bernard Pierce's days, I mean, he's going to go to a different team. Let's face it. Uh, lost guy, lost guy in the chat room. Currently, we just we're headed for committee in Baltimore this year, and I I totally totally agree with that. So uh, IPS driver Anita Jack, she said I am buying Pierce everywhere. I am buying Pierce everywhere. So you're gonna be disappointed. Yeah, uh, Mike, I do have Adrian Peterson at number eight. I do. There's there's only so far you can drop a guy like Adrian Peterson. He is Superman. He is Megatron. He is Optimus Prime. He can do it all. 2,000 yards, 40 receptions. There's no reason to think that he can't do that again next year. How many more years? I, I You know, I don't know. I don't know. LaShawn McCoy checks in at number nine. I think he's the forgotten man. Don't take drop him too far, though, just because of Bryce Brown. I do believe that Bryce Brown – has the potential to be up there. There's a potential to be a platoon here, a real platoon here in Philly, especially with a new coaching staff coming in. But I really like LaShawn McCoy's talent, always have. And uh, he's he's definitely somebody that you don't want to let go too far down in your rankings. Number 10, the rookie, Alfred Morris. Just missing my top 10, Chris Johnson and DeMarco Murray, Mike. Who's the rest of your top 10? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I really like uh... – I don't know what's happened to Jeremy Fadden. What's yeah. happened to Jeremy Fadden? Give me give me some update on him. Oh, your guess is as good as mine, man. I tell you, it's it's just uh, it's one of the guys that everybody in the preseason finally bought into and said, you know what? Look, there's nothing wrong with this guy. You know, he this is the type of guy we should be taking in the top six picks, is what they said. You know, they wanted to take him at the six or the seven in Vegas. That's where he was going. Some people were even considering him at five. And he missed the second half of the season, but he, everybody was like, you know what, this guy could be the number one back in all of football. Comes out on the first night and scores 25, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't sniff 20 points again that year and misses another four games. 
3.2 yards per carry, Mike. 3.2. That's bad enough to uh, lose your job. So Oakland is definitely looking at a running back. Something's wrong with Darren McFadden. Mike, it's been a lot of fun, buddy. Let's hope for uh, Louisville wins. How's the, how are the Wildcats doing anyway? I mean, are they going to make the bracket? Uh, matter of fact, they might make the top 25 this week. Wow, good for you. From all of us, uh, check us out on the yeah. board, FFWC. We need your help. We, uh, we're going to put out surveys, but we need your opinions on our events for next year. We're getting ready to launch everything, our satellite leagues, our main event prize structures, Everything will be launched in the next couple of weeks, but we'd like to get your input. Mike, we will see you. Congratulations, champ.